It's the 1st of November, 2022. And this is episode 14 of the More Math for More People podcast. Cheers. Hello, everyone. I'm Misty. And I'm Joel. And this is the More Math for More People podcast brought to you by CPM Educational Program. On this podcast, we discuss the CPM curriculum, trends in math education, and share strategies to shift instructional practices to create a more inclusive and student-centered classroom. We also highlight upcoming CPM professional learning opportunities and have conversations with math educators about how they do what they do. And we always try to have a little bit of fun and laughter as well. Indeed we do. So come and find out what shenanigans we're up to on this episode. Boom. Once again, we've come to that part of the show that you all love so much. (laughs) It's the National Day of part. Yeah. So, Joel, as you always get to tell us, what is the National Day for today? Well, there there are 32 holidays on this day. The the one that I'm choosing to (laughs) actually celebrate, 32. But I, I really gracious. enjoy this one. It's, I'm not even sure how you like worked all those through to narrow it down. That must have taken some effort. It but, took all right. some we time. can only talk about it one. We, this is only a half hour podcast. We have to talk about That's it very, right. very fast. And that one is Prime Meridian Day. It's an international holiday, actually. Prime Meridian Day. Yes. So like we're talking like we're Greenwich Mean Time, right? Like That's the right. prime like zero longitude. That's where it is. That's where time starts. No, no, that's not true. That's that's well, false. I mean, it, no, that's that is. Yeah, don't don't go home and tell your that's parents right. that. <laughs> but it is zero longitude. Yes. Right. It, mm-hmm. it it's the difference. It's the divider. This is the weird thing, I think, because geography doesn't really make sense in this particular instance. It's the divider between the eastern hemisphere and the western hemisphere, mm-hmm. which means that most of Europe is in the eastern hemisphere. Yes. I, I had to think about that. <laughs> That's true. So it's a day to celebrate the prime meridian, yeah. which was arbitrarily set in one place. That's right. In the UK. Yep. When it wasn't the UK. That's right. Okay. Why? What is the point of the holiday, though? Um, well, it gave lots of reasons. It says... I'm waiting for them. One reason that we love Prime Meridian Day is that it gave us two hemispheres that you just alluded to there. <laughs> I'm going to argue there were already two hemispheres before we divided them, but continue. It's all right. It's all okay. about us. We're humans. Here's, it's all about us. Yes. It maybe started a discussion about time zones, right? That kind of thing. It had, well, for, I'm pretty sure it had a lot to do with navigating in the in the sea and things like that. So that was one of the biggest struggles with navigation when people would sail in ships was figuring mm-hmm. out they could figure out what latitude they were at by the position of the sun and using sextants and da 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 but they couldn't figure out what longitude they were at which is important to know how far east or west you are. That is important. Because the only way to do it was to was to have a clock, right? And and then you know, as you travel, you could detect how much further east or west you were by how much for later the sun comes up or down, right? But it's really hard. And the only clocks they had worked on pendulums, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to have a clock on a pendulum run on the really ocean. consistently on a ship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be hard. So you also brought up the fact that this is somebody 
put this line there. It's an imaginary line. Um, it is pretty arbitrary. But they're saying here that there's actually over 24 prime meridians. So what does that mean for us? 24 <laughs> prime meridians. Because it can be located anywhere. Because there's... Oh, because we could just pick a different yeah. one in the 24 hours of the day. Yeah. That the clock, that, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. The anti-meridian would be at 180 okay, but that's, degrees. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I want to back up for that for a second. Okay. There's, 20, there's 24 possible prime meridians, but none of those actually line up to a nice, consistent longitude because aren't there like 180 degrees of longitude, right? It's like... There's different there's different bases there. Yeah, I'm just I'm just celebrating a holiday. I'm not I don't understand. <laughs> we don't want we don't want to do any math. <laughs> it says anyway, there's okay. over twenty four. There's over well, twenty four. Sure. Yeah. Okay. We we over twenty four. Well yeah. I don't know. there's exactly twenty four. <laughs> anyway, okay. What was the next thing you were gonna say? Oh, the anti meridian would be hundred and eighty mm. degrees mm-hmm. from there. Which is roughly corresponds with the international dateline. It does. Though the international dateline zigs and zags in a few places because we didn't want to cut anything in half. Well, I don't know, we, but somebody, when they decided. Yeah, who did decide that one? <laughs> I don't know. At some point, time mattered That's in true. a global sense. Still does. It does. But at some point, and it probably always, <laughs> I don't know if it always did, but at some point it mattered more. And it kind of, we had to find a place where we're like, oh, how can we tell what time it is there, here? Mm-hmm. Probably when we could begin to communicate across distances, then it would matter what time it was somewhere else at the exact time it was here. Otherwise, we wouldn't care. It's true. I think. So time zones in the U.S. came into play with the with rail systems, right? You mm-hmm. needed to be able to tell people what time the train was going to arrive. So now That's we need important. a consistent time measurement from place to place to place. Yeah, because then how would you know if you missed it? Yeah, or how would you show up on time? That's right. Have you ever been to where the meridian is? Have I ever been to the, oh, to the prime meridian? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I have actually. I've been, well, I've been to Canterbury. Okay. And I, I don't remember if we walked to the actual place where there's a marker because there's some like actual little thing stuck in the ground or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know if, I don't remember if we actually went to that. If we did, I don't remember that part. So, gotcha. but I know we were in Canterbury. Cool. All right, so I still don't know how we'd celebrate this. How are you going to celebrate <laughs> Prime Meridian Day, Joel? Um, I think uh, I might go to an observatory today. I could learn mm. some things about our planet, things like that. Maybe um, just start to explore different things about time zones and their peculiarities, maybe. You never know when it could come in handy for trivia, that sort of thing. Isn't like, okay, this is more of a good discussion of time zones, I think, but mm-hmm. just relative, I guess. Uh-huh. But isn't like India like half an hour different than I think their time zone is like half an hour off from everybody. Oh, at really? least it used to be. Maybe I don't know if it is anymore. I, I remember that as a weird thing that I noticed one time. Anyway, so you could you could here you go. There's all kinds of all kinds of interesting investigations that you could do. That's to absolutely that. true. There you go. Go celebrate Prime Meridian, Prime Meridian Day. Day, and then tune in next year. We'll tell you what <laughs> one of the other thirty two are. That's right. Or you could go look them up if you wanted to. You could make that your investigation. That's right. announcements announcements all right so i have a announcement today about the 2023 cpm teacher conference 
The registration is open and the early bird discount closes in a couple of weeks. It closes on November 15th. So remember, if you get your registration in before the end of the day on the 15th, you get $75 off the conference and $75 off the pre-conference. And I want to put in a plug for our pre-conference sessions. They are fabulous. Every single one of the options, there are seven, is really, really great. So let me give you a rundown on those sessions really quickly. They are Building Thinking Classrooms, Foundations for Coaching. There's a session on Emerging Multilingual Learners. There's a session on Leadership Implementation. Building on Foundations, which is a session that'll kind of bridge you between your first year and your second year of CPM implementation. There is a Foundations for Implementation Day 5, which is on assessment. And we have Working with Students with Exceptionalities. So there are seven great options. So if you're thinking about adding on to your conference, I highly recommend it. And I highly recommend that you get in before the early bird deadline coming up on November 15th. End of announcement. So we're here today with Monica Marie Jones, and I know Monica from the keynote that she did for us uh, last year mm-hmm. in San Francisco. She also did a keynote for us just recently in Detroit for our Great Lakes Regional Conference. And I know that she does all kinds of like life coach kinds of stuff, um, but I am going to let her actually introduce herself more clearly than that. So Monica, tell us a little bit about like, who are you and what do you do? Sure. So presently, I am a personal and executive coach. And, you know, as you shared, I also love to speak or facilitate trainings, professional development. And I specialize in working with adults who work with young people, children and youth, because Mm -hmm. that was my background first Mm -hmm. as a teacher, then as an after school program director, then social work. So I work with, you know, primarily leaders and women, but a lot of them have a background or current work connected to young people. Awesome. What what did you teach? So I actually, I, start, I t- started out teaching kindergarten, then I did third and fourth grade math. And so, nice. yeah, so I was, you know, once I got started and really started getting involved with the young people in my community, that's when I realized, let me go back to school for social work, because I'm realizing there's so much more I want to be able to do with a lot of the things that were happening outside of the school day. So that was kind of my journey. Awesome. Yeah. So I know when um, when you came and talked in San Francisco, you talked a lot about helping people uh, about thinking about our container, mm. right? Like yes. what is what is in our container and what do we what do we do about it? And we were thinking about this because Joel and I are actually both not at home right now. We are <laughs> both on the road doing professional learning for CPM. So Joel's in Idaho, in yep. Boise, Idaho, and I'm in Wyoming. I'm in Riverton, Wyoming. And so we were thinking about this about like our own container. Travel and do all this stuff, and <laughs> and we've got all these things going on, and and not that we want to focus on traveling as part of it, but like we're like, okay, let's start thinking about like what are the things we can do to like help ourselves with those things. So tell us about this container idea. Yes, and I'm glad you shared it in a travel context because a lot of my inspiration for that right before the pandemic, I traveled all the time doing trainings and speaking engagements, and as you know, that can take up a lot of energy and space and 
you are often a container for other people. So that means like you're holding space for them emotionally or professionally or logistically. So I came up with that concept after doing a training where there were really heightened emotions in the room. Like people were were crying and arguing. It was just a really intense training. And afterward, my friend was like, you know, Monica, you're always holding space for other people. Let me be a container for you. And that's where the tears just started pouring. Because mm. I think when we are always on, we feel like we always have to be strong and professional. And, you know, what I encourage the educators to do at the conference and all the adults I work with is make sure you take time to empty your container, close your container, or find another container. So empty means, you know, what are the things you're doing to when your container's overflowing with responsibility? What are some things you can do to kind of, you know, maybe write out your feelings or emotions or thoughts? Or maybe I talked about car screaming sessions. So <laughs> if you're in the car, you just need to scream, you know, with the windows up so you won't, you know, frighten anyone <laughs> driving right. near you. Or, you know, so that's you know, the things to like empty or, or talking to a trusted friend or mental health professional. Then closing the container is about setting boundaries. So not always taking on other tasks or, or people's emotions. What are some things you can do to set those boundaries? So those might be setting business hours. Okay, I won't work before this time or after this time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I have some sort of gatekeeper between me and all being so accessible to everyone. So Misty, you know, maybe I may have, I may have sent you like a scheduling link or you may send me a scheduling link instead of mm-hmm. going back and forth with mm-hmm. constant emails like, okay, this time, no, not this time. So the final one is finding another container. So that is a professional, a trusted friend, someone or something that can hold that same space for you. And I, you know, if it is a friend or if you are that friend for someone else, just making sure that the person has the capacity, because sometimes we may mm-hmm. just like dump everything mm-hmm. on someone or someone may mm-hmm. dump on us. But there's a difference between venting and dumping. So you almost want to ask permission to make sure the person has the capacity to hold space for you. And the same when you're holding space for others. Interesting. What, what would you say the difference is between venting and dumping? Ooh, so I remember learning about that in a book, um, The Survival Guide for Empaths. Mm. So people who feel, you know, emotions and things more deeply. And that's actually one of the reasons I had to transition out of teaching, because when things would happen to my students in Detroit, I would just like totally be taken on emotionally and just go home crying every night. So dumping is kind of (laughs) like taking your figurative trash and emptying on someone else's lawn, (laughs) you know, like just, you just spill out all the things that are, are bothering you or worrying you and you complain to the point where the other person literally feels heavy with Mm. everything you just spewed on them. Whereas venting is kind of like you're sharing, you're talking about it, but you also are open to like solutions or, you know, it's not just like this negative complaint. Let me just dump everything on you so I feel better. But now I'm leaving you feeling, you know, heavier. Yeah, I think of I think of venting often as, hey, and, and it is it's getting that consent, right? Like, hey, I want I just want to vent. I want you to just listen and hear mm. because I just need to get it out of myself and out into the here, right? Somewhere else and just let it all go. And so it is, it's that like a pressure release, right? It's sort of like, okay, it's all built up here. I'm just letting it all out. And then sometimes just that's it. It's, it goes away. Yeah. It, it is important, I think, to like, to let the person who's there know what you want back. 
right? right? Do I want advice? Do I want something else? Or do I just want you to hear what I'm saying? Absolutely. I remember you had some suggestions. I think it was for the, Noah is the one with the boundaries, right? Like setting some boundaries and like putting times on your schedule, like making space between meetings and things on your calendar. And then also like blocking out time for not meetings, which is a thing that I started doing after the conference. I started putting focus time. I managed to do it like two blocks a week for like two or three hours on my calendar. Um, and I can, I move them around at times, but uh, I try to put that on my calendar and keep that. And it's really nice because people see it on my calendar. It just says focus time, no meetings. It doesn't mean I can't put a meeting mm-hmm. if I'm like, sometimes I'll tell people, nope, put a meeting in that time. It's the time I have and I'll, and I'll work around it. But it's, it's really nice to just have that, know I have that time to do solid work. Yeah. I, and I call that's a concept I call blocking your buffers because mm-hmm. I'm sure this happened before, you know, the world started doing everything on Zoom. But what I started to right. notice <laughs> is because people didn't have that commute or that transition from one conference room to another classroom, people would book things back to back to back to back all day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what about a sip of water? What about the restroom? What about a meal? What about a stretch or some movement? And so that's when I started to tell my audiences and my clients, block your buffers. Even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, give yourself time to prep for the next thing. Reflect on the thing you just finished. Or what I was hearing a lot of was, we're in so many meetings that we don't have time to get the actual work done. So like you said, Misty, blocking off that focus time or work time or think time Mm -hmm. just to give yourself the space you need so that you're not completely burned out by going from meeting to meeting to meeting. And now you're not really fully engaged or showing up in anything because you're just trying to survive until the end of your packed day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I love that you said that too, because I always book back to back to back, right? But I feel like I'm hurting the people in the next meeting because I'll say, give me five minutes. So I'm disrespecting their time rather than just taking my own time. Mm. Yeah. And that's something I thought about. It was like, I know, you know, by nature, a lot of us always are are giving and thinking about the other person. And I said, you know what, if I am going to be able to show up as my best self for my clients, I have to take that time you know, before meetings, after meetings, before or after sessions, because it's not fair to them right. that I'm more focused on the fact that I have to use the bathroom so bad mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of being able to fully actively listen and be present with them in the moment. Right. Yeah. And in education, a teacher is kind of like, I guess where I'm going with this is a teacher is constricted by bells or constricted by schedules or you have students coming. And so that's so hard to make that time, what would you suggest to teachers to make that time? Mm, this is good. So I I guess depending on how schedules work in school, as we know now, like the the attention span is so much shorter because of social media and scrolling. And like, I think it used to be 20 minutes. Now it's more like eight seconds. Right. <laughs> and like, like when it comes to like the human brain's ability to be able to focus after about 90 minutes, like we need a break, we need to move. So one thing I used to love to do in my kindergarten class was we do a get the wiggles out time. Right. So mm-hmm. like, incorporating breaks within the session, within the lesson. So not only are young people getting that physical and mental break they need, but also you are getting a moment to take a break. And so when I work with teachers or facilitators, I always say, take your break on the breaks as well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes teachers or lecturers or whoever during the break 
people want to come up and talk to them. And I'm like, nope, set the boundary. You get a break too Mm -hmm. (laughs) during break time. So even if it's a five minute brain break or stretch break or whatever, incorporate it as a part of the lesson. And then you take that time for yourself as well. Yeah. I think that's so important. And and it's, and it is hard because teachers tend to be people who are very giving and want to like take care and, Mm. and, and really reach out. And when kids come in during, you know, lunch or during times, it's hard to say, no, it's hard to say, no, this is my time. This is the time I need so that I can be there for you later. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's so one of the most powerful things I love training about when it comes to working with youth is young people learn so much more by what they see than by what we say. Mm. So when it comes to social and emotional learning and those types of skills, modeling the skills is Mm. just as powerful as the explicit instruction of the skill. So if we say, hey, you know, I'm taking a break because I want to take a little bit of time to make sure I can, you know, whatever. It's like you are now teaching the young person through your action that, oh, it's okay to take time for myself. It's okay to take breaks. It's okay to get my basic needs met. If you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs at the base of the pyramid, you know, it's the nutrition, temperature, (laughs) use the bathroom. (laughs) So we are showing young people early on that it's okay to take care of yourself. And actually that will, you know, help with the academic achievement or, you know, physical health, mental health, all those things that we deem as important. Absolutely. Yeah, I I would often do I had a 70 minute math period and with middle schoolers. And so I would, you know, set my timer somewhere in the middle of the class, we would do a wiggle break. And we would just it would be very, very quick, just we'd stand up, we would often like walk around the table three times and high five two people and then sit back down or you know, my kids loved things like write your name in the air with your butt, you know, stuff like that, like just silly things, right? And yeah. and sometimes the timer would go off or be close because it wasn't an audible timer. And um, the kids would all be working so well that I would like, oh, I don't, I don't want to disturb them with taking a break. And invariably within the next two minutes, things would fall apart. Like they would just like they just things would start falling apart. And I'd learned didn't matter because even though they were super focused, they could get up, they could wiggle around, they could move, whatever, and they would sit back down and they were actually really, really refocused again because they had done that movement. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's so exciting. One thing I've been talking about a lot lately is people's learning styles. Mm-hmm. And so much of, you know, so much of learning, especially virtual learning, is very much geared towards visual and auditory learners. So now you have those physical kinesthetic learners or the ones who need to you know, manipulate materials or or move their bodies. And I'm learning that about as I've been working with my niece over the summer with some tutoring that she learns best while she's moving. Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, even by getting that movement break, that may do something to activate the brain for young people who are more movement based learners. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I love how you connected that to the teacher as well, because I've probably done that without realizing it. Right. I am totally involved in that brain break and appreciated that, but never thought about that. It's for me as well as them. Like it was always part of the, okay, this is for the kids, but I really like that you said teachers taking care of themselves there. Yes. So other than thinking about containers and buffers, what are some other ways that... So that is part one of our conversation with Monica Marie Jones. Tune in next time in two weeks for our next podcast to hear part two of our conversation with Monica Marie Jones. See you then.
So that's a wrap for this episode of the More Math for More People podcast. For more information and to stay connected, you can find CPM on both Twitter and Facebook. The music for the podcast was created by Julius H. and can be found on pixabay.com. Join us for the next episode of More Math for More People. What day will that be, Joel? It'll be November 15th, National Spicy Hermit Cookie Day. I'm so fascinated by this. I don't know much about this day, but I did look up. Did you know that the word cookie actually comes from the Dutch word cookie? I love it. And I love cookies. And I'm excited to explore this recipe and see what it's all about in a spicy hermit cookie recipe. But I also have had some experience with cookies. And I remember I had my Walt Disney Baking for Kids cookbook. And I remember making a gigantic sugar cookie. And I put food coloring in it. I made it green. When my mom came home from work, so excited to share this cookie with my mom and she so gracefully ate it but it just like broke all the teeth good thing I was young enough that I probably broke new teeth excited to